This fall, we are coming to our membership with a question regarding basketball rules. And actually, I'm going to call attention to listeners. We may get into this in a different episode, but there is a, a significant change in high school basketball rules this year that the NFHS brought in, and it has to do with free throws and team fouls. And for those of you who follow college basketball, the high school game is going to start to look more like what the rules have been last few years in the women's in the NCAA. So we'll talk about that another time. What we want to talk about today is kind of a hot topic across the country for high schools, and that is the topic of shot clock. And as kind of a a lead up to this conversation, first, I'm going to welcome Doug Fessler, Assistant Executive Director, who is in charge of the sport of basketball in Missouri. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. Thank you. When I was a kid, and I was a, a basketball lover as a kid, I still am a basketball lover, but that was my first love, my first sport that I just kind of obsessed over, even as a little kid. But when I was a kid, the game changed fundamentally. In 1986, the three-point line came to basketball. And for many listeners, perhaps you've never known life without the three-point line. I was little, but I do remember it happening. And you know, we never looked back. No one ever looked back. The three-point line has been here to stay. It is a fundamental part of the game of basketball. Things have changed about the three-point line mm-hmm. since that time. It's moved around a little bit. It's at different levels, but it has been a part of the game, and it is now considered an essential part of the game of basketball. Absolutely. And it wasn't always. No. So I see shot clock as something almost as fundamental, maybe not as groundbreaking as the three-point line, but shot clock, it would be a big change for high school basketball. Right now, shot clock is used at the professional level and the collegiate level, and in some states mm-hmm. in high school. So first of all, we need to understand that the Missouri State High School Activities Association's Board of Directors will be making a decision if there is a decision to be made. They could make a non-decision, but this issue of shot clock has come up over the last several years, and I want to just frame it a little bit. The NFHS, they are the body that provides all of our rules, and this can get a little bit technical, but they provide the rules, and then within the rules, they allow for certain rules to be by state adoption. One example of that is in softball and baseball. There is no national rule for a run rule, in softball and baseball, but they do allow for state adoption. So the state of Missouri has run rules. We've adopted run rules to end a game early when the point differential reaches a certain point. The NFHS and basketball, there's been a debate over shot clock for quite some time. And there have been a few states that have chosen to go shot clock for many years, some of them in the last few years. And this debate has raged as more and more states have chosen to adopt the shot clock in spite of the NFHS allowing it for state adoption. And in 22-23, this is the first year that it starts to be allowed for state adoption. What happens to a state if they put the shot clock in before or without an allowance for state adoption? That state loses the ability to have a say on the National Rules Committee. Is that an accurate description, Doug? Absolutely. And they decided enough states wanted to adopt it that, like you said last year, they decided let's let's put this in by state adoption. And currently, there are, I believe, 26 states that, that use the shot clock. That number has increased mm-hmm. quickly because of NFHS it, just a year ago saying, okay, it's allowable by state adoption. We're looking at about 26 states. For the Missouri State High School Activities Association, it's been a question for a while 
And it was, I think it was assumed prior to 22-23 that if Missouri were to decide to go by state adoption and therefore lose our seat on the rules committee, if that's what our membership wanted, we were willing to do that. And that's not what has happened. We still don't have the shot clock, but we have tried to kind of keep our finger on the pulse. So a couple years ago, we sent out a survey to our schools. We surveyed basketball coaches in one survey. We surveyed athletic administrators in another survey, principals and superintendents, again, all separately, and asked the question about their interest in shot clock. And the coaches came in majority in favor of it. 80s principals and superintendents came in majority not in favor. Now, our survey was just that. It was a survey. It wasn't a vote. Are we going to do it or not? It was, hey, what are your thoughts about this issue? And at that time, it was clear that our schools, and we I've been saying this quite a bit, we are an association of schools. Our schools were not in favor. Our coaches were in favor, but our schools were not in favor, and we are the schools. That's our association. So we put the, the we, the board of directors, kind of put the issue to bed for a while. And this is very typical of the change process in a state association, and and certainly our state association. That question comes up, the membership's not quite ready for it, Mm -hmm. and we wait. We wait, and we let the conversation continue. Sometimes we are an active part, we the staff are an active part of that conversation, and sometimes we're not. But at some point, the time becomes right to ask again. This time we're going to ask in a different way. In the month of October, we're going to ask our schools through another survey one vote per school this time, not by position. We're going to ask the school through the principal or the superintendent to let us know what their thoughts are on on shot clock. So that's the setup for this conversation. It is intended to be educational to our membership and anyone else who's interested about this issue prior to that question. We want to make sure that people have an opportunity to hear more about high school basketball and the shot clock so that they can make maybe a little bit more informed decision. Certainly they have information about their local situation and and what's important in their community, what are the challenges in their community. And this episode is going to sound like we're making the case for the shot clock. That's what it's going to sound like. And in some cases, I think that's kind of what we're doing, but it's not because we're in favor of the right. shot clock. We don't have to do a lot of description of the current reality. <laughs> Everybody knows what the current reality is. We know what the game of basketball looks like in Missouri without the shot clock. And I think it's important for us to help describe what it might look like if we have shot clock. And so that's going to feel like we're making a case for the shot clock. So I want listeners to hear we're not really making the case, but we do feel a responsibility to educate our membership before this question comes out because you kind of get in your echo chambers. And if your particular conference, your superintendents in your conference have had this conversation and have not heard anything outside the conference you may need maybe a little bit different perspective mm-hmm. to think about it differently. We don't know what's going to happen. As I said yesterday in Emission 101 with you, Doug, this survey won't make the decision. It will inform the board of directors, you know, how the membership is thinking right now, and then it will be up to the board of directors to make the decision. And that decision would not come before the winter 2023-24 school year. And we would wait an entire 
school year Mm -hmm. before we started it. So we would look at possibly starting in the fall of 25. So all that to say, Doug has really done a lot of thinking about this, and I want him to share some of what he's learned from other states and those who have recently had it or those who have had it for a while. And we just want to address some of the main questions and concerns, and and many of those are valid, about Shot Clock before we go out and ask the membership. So, Doug, first of all, let's talk about how long of the Shot Clock were you talking about? 35 seconds. So there's kind of the debate on the side of the basketball strategy, Mm -hmm. what it does for the game, Mm -hmm. and I want to stick kind of with that for now, based on what you heard from administrators from other states, Mm -hmm. and I want to focus especially on those who maybe implemented in the last year or two, Mm -hmm. and and specifically talking about Iowa. Iowa just brought it in in 22-23, and I know you spent quite a bit of time with Todd in Iowa having that discussion, but we've been watching Iowa kind of carefully because they just brought it in knowing that it's been a hot topic in Missouri. So what did Iowa have to say about what it did for the high school game of basketball in Iowa? They said there was a better flow to the game. that They looked at time of game, total length, they said it actually, throughout their average time of length, shortened the game up to make them not as long. You know, you have those three game nights where you might have a, a freshman game, a JV game, varsity game. Overall, they said they cut out, you know, maybe 20 to 30 minutes of time throughout that night, got the kids home more. And again, it's just more of a better flow, they think, to the game. Now, they did mention some skeptics out there think well the shot clock will drastically change the game as far as throughout the entire game you're going to see a lot of shot clock happenings realistically again their information in some other states it actually comes into play a couple times a game maybe you know so it's not as often as you think again especially at into quarters into halves maybe the end of the game so it does come into play and he said there was challenges you know they didn't hear a lot of information as far as there's been egregious mistakes made on the shot clock at their office but of course there's going to be that's human nature that we know that we make mistakes just like you do on the regular time so as far as the game though they said it was excellent their coaches loved it the staff loved it and they didn't hear a lot of complaints from the administrators I don't want to focus just on Iowa I just know you spent sure. some time yep. there and we've been watching what happens in Iowa other states mm-hmm. anybody saying you know that it just it was bad for the game to date I have not talked to any state that said they wish they would have never done it out in this summit, there was probably uh, 20 states that were represented out there, so 15 to 20 of the of the 50 states. Each one of them that had it in the room, which was, I think there was about 10 of them in that room that had it, and every single one of them said, it, it's great. It's been great for the game. We'd never go back, and the issues that we have, they're worked through at the local school level. Officiating, it's a big concern. So we have a state where, you know, like every state is strapped for Mm -hmm. officials, and oftentimes getting good professional development to our officials is a challenge. Mm So when you introduce a shot clock, you have another another set of rules, of mechanics you've got to take care of, of communication. Mm-hmm. And I think that is scary to a lot of folks in Missouri thinking mm-hmm. about how do we do that? How, right. You know, we have a number of high school varsity games right now being called by two officials, which is completely okay. Right. But we also have a lot that have gone, you know, to a, a standard three. So talk a little bit about the officiating, what feedback you've heard on officiating with high school shot clock. Interesting enough, we had our officials in yesterday in the office, and and we have our rules interpreters meeting for basketball, and and I spoke to them a little bit about the shot clock and mentioned, you know, two-man versus three-man. 
many of them, if not all in there, are still officials where they have been, and they were, you know, kind of threw their hands up. Two man would be very, very tough, you know, and that is a valid concern. Like you had mentioned, there are some schools that use two man crews on their varsity games still. Most go to three. That is something that the office and the board of directors would have to talk through to see if it would be required to have a three-man. I will tell you that there are some states that still allow the two-man crews with the shot clock, and they said that does present challenges, but they have not mandated it. I would say that that we might follow a similar path in, in that instance and let the schools kind of see for themselves if, if they need to, because it is another expense, obviously, that would be on the schools if they added that third official. Expense and, and another resources. Yeah. Do you have enough officials in your area that's, that's very true. Uh, for, yeah. for that piece? The main reason we hear from our schools, and I, when I say our schools, I'm talking about school administrators. First of all, if you are a, a fan, mm-hmm. you show up to watch a ball game, you may or may not be aware there is a score table. And at that score table, there are human beings there working the score table, and you may never consider how that happens. <laughs> Generally, in high school basketball, the folks at that score table are employees of the school. Many times they are teachers or some other employee. They are doing this as an extra duty, likely getting paid for it, but not much. They may or may not have expertise in the sport. Most of them have some interest, and and they learn quite a bit if they don't in order to do that job. You can get away with two people usually, especially in varsity. You have to have an official score, so you're going to have an official score. That's the person keeping the scorebook, writing the stats down in the scorebook. And then you have to have someone running the clock and the scoreboard. Some schools have fancier setups. They might have individual scoring they're doing. Some schools have video boards and they're doing other things. All that stuff, great. But you can get by with two people at Mm -hmm. the table. Even with that, it is sometimes difficult, often difficult, for school administrators to find people to work the score table at basketball games. Mm -hmm. The shot clock adds that minimum, adds to the two, you must have three. You would have to have a third person to run the shot clock. It takes a dedicated person to run the shot clock, and that is a major concern for school administrators in the state of Missouri. Having been one, I completely understand. Mm -hmm. That is a conversation you also have had with other states, and so it is my understanding that every single state that's gone to the shot clock had this concern. I want to hear what their feedback is now on the other side of the decision. What have they learned? I don't think we've stated this. This would be varsity-only contest. So uh, some administrators come out there and have t- even asked me, well, how are we supposed to find it for all our home games throughout the year of, of all these contests? And when I tell them it's varsity-only, and sometimes that's five or six games, they're like, oh, okay. So it kind of eases their mind a little bit. Not every JV, junior high. Matter of fact, and I'll, I'll put this out there too, of the 26 states now that have adopted the shot clock and use it, I believe only two use it at any level besides varsity. But going back to the original, the, the states that have it, they heard all the concerns. And again, they, they stated the administrative concerns of not being able to find people to run the shot clock have not made it to our office, but they just don't hear about it. They were all there prior, but they haven't heard we have to cancel a game because we can't find anybody to run the shot clock. So... It's kind of like, uh, I, I like to call it to the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. If you adopt it, you'll find somebody, you know. And what I learned last week, there are a couple of states, which I really like, have some certification for that person. Just a short, you know, 
10 minute five slide presentation video that it's mandatory in a couple states to watch in order to use the shot clock just to get some certification because that person does know how to know the game of basketball and when to reset it when to start it when to stop it and, and some states use retired officials or officials that may not be working the game so many states do it in a variety of ways but they said they've been able to find them and and haven't had any issues another issue is equipment very 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 few high schools are already equipped with a shot clock mm-hmm. it is a basically an add-on to whatever your scoreboard setup is mm-hmm. and it would require a piece of equipment to go on or near the basket mm-hmm. and it's going to require an additional controller mm-hmm. and in many cases uh, schools have replaced controllers and or scoreboards in the last 20 years sure. and this would be a plug-in situation mm-hmm. but there's some cost to that and you've done a little bit of research on what might be the cost to a school to bring in and the equipment necessary for a shot clock. Yeah, so I reached out to the three main players, so to speak, in the uh, scoreboards around Missouri. For the most part, there are others, but the three main ones are Fairplay, Dactronics, and Nevco. And those, I took an average of those. The average of getting the shot clocks, shipping the shot clocks to the location is an average of 3000 to 5500 depending on, again, your older shot clocks. If you have an older scoreboard, and I said, well, how, how old are you talking? They said, maybe 40 years old. I mean, it's, it's, it's really pretty old. They may not have the technology. You may have to have some extra stuff. And there are definitely g- schools and gymnasiums with those in there, but they still said they could all be compatible one way or the other, even if you end up having to wire it. Most, though, are going to be able to plug into the shot clock on the on the main scoreboard on your wall somehow and wirelessly transmit it to the box so somebody had asked you know does that that cost include installation no you would have to have an electrician or somebody there that that would install it and some are as simple as hey everything's in place You, you get the clock you get the controller plug it in and boom you're you're ready to go It sounds kind of complicated. It's in thousands of gyms all over the country. And these companies have all done it in other states, and and they would figure it out. Again, if it comes to Missouri, the soonest would be the 25-26 school year. And the expectation would be by then, if that's our decision, that all of our schools, all of our member schools, would be equipped to run the shot clock if they have varsity basketball. So. Again, I'm going to call attention. We're about to wrap this up. We're going to ask our schools what their current thinking is on the possibility of shot clock in the month of October. We're recording this podcast to help to inform our membership and interested parties about the potential for shot clock in Missouri. And while we have spent a lot of time talking about what sounds like we're making a case for it, we will, our board of directors will be responsive to our membership and what they have to say. And so we want to make sure that we're, again, kind of describing what it could look like and how it's been looking in other states. And so I want to thank Doug Fessler for joining us today, talking through this issue. On the one hand, it's kind of an exciting topic just to talk about what could happen. Mm -hmm. What could happen in the game of basketball in the state of Missouri? And also celebrate the fact that it's really good right now. Yeah. It's a sport loved by many. It's our most popular sport. Throughout the country, I just got a, it's kind of funny, we just got a uh, participation numbers, and and finally they've started going back up for the game of basketball. They were kind of on the decline, and boys and girls participation throughout the United States is is back up. Good, good. So we want to thank you for listening. If you are a school administrator, we hope that this gives you some information to chew on as you consider your opinion in the survey. And we want to thank you for listening to the Misha All Access Podcast. 
This is Dr. Jennifer Ruckstad, the Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Thank you for listening to the Misha All Access Podcast and having an interest in Missouri high school activities and athletics. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Misha All Access Podcast or any of the episodes in this podcast, please consider subscribing or liking with your favorite podcast provider. It helps other people find us, and we really appreciate you listening and supporting the Missouri State High School Activities Association.